many of you remember that old song? This is a really old one. It goes way back. Yet I'm so thankful for all of those things that Jesus has done for me. He's not only saved me, but he has made me whole. I'm complete because of him. He lives and dwells within me, and because of that, there's nothing that's impossible for the child of God because Jesus lives and exists, and his spirit is within us. And I'm so thankful for that. I'm so thankful that no matter what I face, I never have to face it alone. I can always face it knowing that Jesus is not only on my side, but he is with me every moment of every day. Sing it one more time with me and worship him. Thank you, Lord, for saving. Are you saved? Let me see your hand. There you go. Thank you, Lord, for making. Are you whole? Let me see your hand this morning. never heard that song before, you can go home and say, I learned something at church today. I learned a brand new song that I'd never heard before. But you can't say it's a new song because it's been around for a long, long time. Amen. Well, thank you for being with us here this morning. I'm excited about all that God is doing in our lives. Amen. I'm so excited that He's on our side. If God is for us, who can be against us? Amen. I know that we've got several in our church uh, this week that are sick. We've got some with the, the C word. And, uh, you know, just staying at home. They've been at home for a few days and uh, recovering from it. I know there's a little, little bit of it going around, a little bit of a resurgence and that kind of thing. But I'm glad God's on our side. And He is our healer. Amen. By His stripes we are healed. For those of you who are unable to be with us today, we understand and we pray right now in Jesus' name that God will give you a rapid and complete recovering in your body. Whatever it is that you might be facing today, it might be something other than COVID, but I pray in Jesus' name right now that your body will be made whole by His stripes we are healed is one of the primary blessings that come to us through the atoning, atoning blood of Jesus Christ. And it is yours in Jesus' name if you'll receive it today and give Him glory for it. Amen? Amen. Praise the Lord. Well, if you can believe this, it's just a few more weeks until school starts back. Can you believe that? If you haven't had your vacation yet, you better get down on it. As one old guy used to say, you better hurry up because it won't be long. School will be uh, back in session. Our school, I want you to be praying for our school and our child care center. Uh, this is your ministry. It is the ministry of this church. God has blessed us so abundantly. This is the year that we add one more grade we're adding fourth grade this year, 
And so we will have K through fourth grade this year. We're looking for a teacher. We need a good, spirit-filled, God-loving individual who would like to be involved in this ministry and uh, just come and grow with us and expand with us because God is helping us to reach some families and reach uh, some of these young people. Many of them would never hear about Jesus were it not for the ministries of the child care center and the school. So we appreciate so much your support of it. Be praying for us as we enter into this new year that this will be the best year that we've ever had. And for those of you who are wondering about this Thursday night, why we're doing this, uh, you know, we occasionally we hear about a good singing group that's going to be in town in Louisville, and uh, we felt like for the senior uh, class, the sanctuary class, it might be kind of fun, rather than coming here on Wednesday night and doing our typical Bible study, that rather than doing that, that we'll just meet at the church, the Baptist church here. Uh, it's not very far from here. It starts at 7 p.m., and they will receive a free will offering for the Wisnet family who will be singing that night. And I'd like for you to consider joining. Me and Donna are going to be there. I know Ray and Hester are going to be there. They're the ones who told me about it. And so for those of you who normally would be in the Wednesday night Bible study class here in the sanctuary, just consider joining us over there. All the other classes will meet here on campus, and you can, you can go to your class or be with your group. Unless you'd rather be with our group, and then you just need to tell Pastor John or Pastor Matt so that they can uh, make preparation for your absence. But we're going to have a great time. We're going to go over there and worship with some Baptists this week. How's that sound to you? Sounds good to me. Amen. I'll never forget several years ago now, uh, we decided that we'd go hear Jason Crabb sing at Southeast Christian. I don't know how many of you went with us that night, but we had a pretty good crowd that went over there, and we forgot that we were at Southeast Christian Church, and the Pentecostal in us came out a little bit, and on one occasion, I remember Jane shouted out a little bit, and it was so funny to me because everybody kind of looked around at us like, what in the world are you doing? Yet we don't do that here, and we thought, well, maybe we better hold it down a little bit. But when you got the Spirit of God in you and Jason Crabb singing, sometimes it just sneaks its way out. You know what I'm saying? And we had a wonderful time. So those Baptists better get ready Thursday night. We're going to go and worship the Lord together with them. Amen. If you have your Bibles with you this morning, I'd like for you to take them and turn with me to Ephesians chapter 5, verses 15 through 17. Now, the last two weeks, we've been talking about this idea of cadence, God's cadence. We went all the way back to the book of Genesis where God started His activity on this earth by creating everything that is. And as you know, if you've been here, the very first thing that God created was day. The day a solid day. He separated the light and the darkness, and he called it the day. And then every day he limited himself 
to a creative process that belonged to that day. And when he was finished in that day, he moved on to the next process. And on the last day of the week, he created man in his own image. And then he, take, he took mankind and he set us in this rhythm and in this cadence that he created in the day. And last week we talked about how that we cannot recover yesterday. What is done is done. I'm always reminded of the passage of Scripture in, in Ecclesiastes. And, and at most funerals, I will allude to this passage of Scripture that says that when a tree is leaning to the north or if a tree is leaning to the south, when that tree falls, there it lies. In other words, there, it has no capability of repositioning itself after it has fallen. And the whole point is, is that all of the decisions that we're going to have to make in life are going to have to be made in our timeline and in our day. Because once the tree has fallen, it can't be changed. Now, I don't want to offend anybody today. But when you die, whenever that is, you're not going to go to purgatory and hope that somebody can do enough good in your name in order to redeem you from that setting. That's not going to happen. The Bible says that if we are a Christian, that to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. And we know that if we are not Christians, there, there is another place that has been reserved. And the scripture says that hell is enlarging itself daily. But whether we choose Christ or reject Christ, those decisions are made individually, individually and they are made in this lifetime. So this is all we have. We can't undo yesterday and there is no promise for tomorrow. And so our responsibility is to live in the blessings and the anointing of God in this day. Now today I want to talk to you from Ephesians chapter 5. Now you've heard this passage of scripture many times. And I want to read it for you in verses 15 through 17. It says, look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time, because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Let's pray together. Father, as we consider these verses of Scripture that we have just read, I pray that you will allow them to speak to our hearts today and come alive in our thinking and in our processes of life. I pray that you'll help me to speak effectively this morning, say what needs to be said in such a way that we can take hold of it and that we can mature in our lives because of your word. <clears throat> speak to us today in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. There's a true story that is told about uh, the automaker Henry Ford 
who had asked an electrical genius by the name of Charlie Steinmetz to build the generators for his factories. One day, the generators came to a screeching halt, and the repairmen that worked for Ford couldn't find the problem. So Ford called Steinmetz, who came out and tinkered with the machines for a few hours and then threw the switch and the generators whirred to life. But Ford got a bill in the mail for $10,000 from Mr. Steinmetz. And it frustrated Mr. Ford because he was kind of tight with his dollars. And so he contacted Steinmetz and he asked him why the bill was so high. Steinmetz replied to him and he said, Itemized bill for tinkering with the generators, $10. For knowing where to tinker with the generators, $9,900. Ford paid the bill because he realized that the wisdom and the knowledge of Mr. Steinmetz was what he was paying for. Now, how many of you know that it's possible for us to just tinker with life? But what the Apostle Paul here is telling us is that we need to understand how to move through life. We need to understand this day exactly what is necessary for us to be successful and to succeed in what is before us. Now I want you to look at verse 15. It says, look carefully then how you walk. Not as unwise, but as wise. Now in the King James Version, it says to walk circumspectly. Now that's a word that we don't use too often these days. It's kind of an old-fashioned word, and we don't use it a lot. But here's what circumspectly means. It means to walk carefully or to walk accurately. It can also mean to walk intentionally. So Paul is saying, as you walk, you should walk carefully. I was uh, riding in my vehicle this week. And I was just flipping around channels, and I, I flipped onto the Southern Gospel Channel, and it was it was one of those catchy little tunes, and it caught my ear, and I thought I'm gonna I'm gonna stick here with it for a minute and hear what they have to say. And here's what they said: It said, "Your walk talks, and your talk talks, but your walk talks louder than your talk talks." How I many of you ever heard that song? I had never heard it before, but there's a lot of truth to it. Your walk talks, and your talk talks, but it's the way you walk that makes the difference, because your walk talks louder than your talk talks. So we walk circumspectly. In other words, it's like walking through a field of landmines where you look at the ground and you don't know where the next de explosive device is, and so you have to be very careful the step that you make. 
And you need to be aware as to whether or not the ground has been tussled with because there could be an explosive device under there. And so you have to walk very, very gently. We have a place in Indiana where we like to take the daughters, the granddaughters, when we go camping and there's a little creek there that has all these stepping stones in the creek and they like to step on those stepping stones as they are moving in that creek. That's an example of what Paul is saying here. He is saying that every step that you take should be intentional. It should be on purpose. It should be careful. It's, it, it's not spontaneous, but it is with purpose. So when we walk circumspectly, it says that we are to walk not as fools, but as wise. Now it's interesting to me that he says, not as fools, but as wise. He could have just said, be wise in the steps that you take. He could have just left it there. <laughs> But he knew that there were some fools around that needed to be, uh, you know, talked to and said, don't walk like these people do, but instead walk like wise people. You see, a fool is one who is primarily governed by their feelings. Fools just walk around all the time by how they feel. That's part of the problem with our nation right now. Because we have rejected the Word of God. And every year, the percentage of people who believe that the Word of God is the actual, uh, that the Bible is actually the Word of God gets lower and lower. The percentage is going down every day. And so we start making decisions about morality or the lack thereof or how we should live our lives and what our walk should look like not based on the Bible, not based on the Word of God, but we are foolishly living by our feelings. And when we live by our feelings, we're going to get in trouble every time. And then sometimes the most zealous people on the earth are the fools that are living by their feelings. Oh, they're zealous about what they believe. They don't mind telling you right now exactly how crazy you are to believe the Word of God and what Scripture teaches, and they are zealous about their own thoughts and feelings. Zealous. Now, zeal can be good if you're walking circumspectly. But if you're not walking in this day according to the knowledge that God has given you in His Word, then your zeal means absolutely nothing. Because you can be zealous and zealously wrong. And so it's important for us to understand that our walk must include the knowledge that we have. <clears throat> a couple of years back, I preached a series of messages and I shared with you how important it is for us to obtain knowledge and then understanding and then wisdom. <clears throat> the three of those things go hand in hand. <clears throat> you can have knowledge but not have all the knowledge that you need about a situation. You can have knowledge but not understand the knowledge that you have. Let me give you an example. For Jovi's birthday, we bought her 
a uh, lava lamp. How many of you have ever had a lava, lava lamp? Oh, man, a bunch of you. So we thought that'd be cool for her to put in her bedroom and all that kind of thing. But for whatever reasons, the little, the little bulb that goes in there keeps busting. I bought her at least four of them, and they just keep going out. And so it's crazy because we know that it's supposed to work, and yet it keeps blowing the bulb. So there's got to be a problem somewhere. So we have the knowledge. The knowledge is that it's blowing the bulbs, but we have no understanding as to why it's doing it. And the same can be true in our lives. We have the knowledge about certain things. We know, for instance, that we have a tendency to be anxious and, and, and to deal with things in our anxiety, but we don't really understand why that is true. So we can have knowledge without understanding. But what Paul is saying is not only do you need to have knowledge and understanding, but then you've got to have wisdom to know how to apply the understanding and the knowledge. Because without wisdom, you'll make wrong choices. And you will choose things that are inappropriate. So we have to, we have to live in wisdom. It has been said that a wise person always thinks. He or she does not act merely on the basis of instinct or impulse or desire, but insists upon thought and reason and meditation. Now for those of you who are spontaneous in nature, that just irritates the life out of you. To be around somebody that actually wants to think about the decision. They want to have a plan together when they're facing whatever it is that they're facing. Because why don't you just live for the moment? Why don't you just do what feels good? Why don't you just, I mean, if it moves your soul, go right ahead and do it. But how many of you know that some of our most spontaneous moments can bring some of the worst results into our life? Think about King David who should have been on the battlefield with his warriors doing battle with them. But instead, he stayed back. And you know the story. He's up on the roof of the palace, and he looks down, and he sees a young lady taking a bath, a lady by the name of Bathsheba, and in a spontaneous moment... David sins for her, and the Bible says very clearly that he laid with her, and she became pregnant with David's baby. And when he found out, then he tried to get Uriah, which was Bathsheba's husband, to come off of the battlefield and go home and lay with his wife, so that David could then say that that's not my baby that is his baby. But Uriah would not lay with his wife as long as the army was fighting the king's battle. And so, David, in a spontaneous moment again, called for the leader of the army and said, Take Uriah and put him in the most dangerous spot on the battlefield so that he will be slain and die. Now here's a guy 
that has a heart after God, according to the Scripture. But the reason that he got himself into that situation was because he refused to operate in wisdom, but instead, in a spontaneous moment, made a series of choices that ruined his reputation. And because of that, he had blood in his family for the remainder of his life. Difficulty that came for the rest of his life. Why? Because he acted like a fool. He acted foolishly instead of walking in the wisdom that he had. A wise person always thinks. They do not act merely on the basis of instinct or impulse or desire, but insist upon thought and reason and meditation. Don't raise your hands. I don't want to see your hands. But I'll bet you that we have people in our church this morning that struggle to make ends meet financially. And it's because you don't have a budget. It's because you haven't sat down and looked at how much money comes in as opposed to how much money goes out. And let me tell you something. It doesn't take a smart person to know this, but when more money goes out than what comes in, you're going to go broke in a New York minute. Or you're going to get so deeply in debt that you cannot pay your bills. And when you look back on it, it's really not because you didn't make enough money. It's because you didn't have a plan and a budget to walk you through every time you got paid. So what I'm saying is, and what, the Apostle Paul is saying is, is that we should live our lives with intention. We should live our lives and walk circumspectly. Now the next thing he says is found in verse 16. He says, make the best use of the time. Because the days are evil. Now in the, New King, or in the King James Version, it says redeeming the time. Now what he means here, and in Psalm 90, David writes this. He says, Lord, teach us to number our days so that we may get a heart of wisdom. So we got to understand how many days that we have. we got to understand what our time frame is to do what needs to be done. Redeeming the time means to make the most of or to use your time wisely. And it also carries with us this sense of urgency. You got to do it now. You have to have it now. Did you ever put something in the oven? And I promise I'm not going to try and cook anything. Donna says I can't do that anyway. But I know enough about this. If you put something in the oven and then the timer goes off, but you don't go get out what it, what's in the oven, you don't get it out, guess what's going to happen? It's going to burn it. It's going to ruin it. Because you did not redeem the time. There are things in our lives that we must redeem. Let me ask you this. No hands. How many of you have ever gotten a fight with your spouse 
just before you went to bed. I mean, you're maybe a half an hour or an hour away from going to bed. Somebody said something that just didn't sit well. Or somebody did something. Maybe the, maybe the man went into the bathroom and forgot to put the lid up. And, and, it, and it, caused a, it caused an argument. It caused a difficulty. It caused harsh words. And here it is bedtime. And what do we want to do? If we're foolish, we want to just leave it alone. I'm not going to say anything about it. I'm not going to apologize if I was wrong. Or I'm going to make it worse by making sure that I say what is on my mind. That person is not going to sleep tonight because I'm going to wear their hide out before I go to bed, go to sleep. And we make the matter worse instead of better. Well, what does the Bible tell us about that? <clears throat> the Scripture says, Do not let the sun go down on your wrath. So this idea of saying, well, we'll just take care of it in the morning. No. Before you go to bed, before you lay your body down in that bed and close your eyes, the Bible says, redeem the time. What if tomorrow never comes? What if you never have the opportunity to right that wrong? You will live with that for the remainder of your life. It'd be just better for you to say, Hey, babe, by the way, I apologize for that. That was an insensitive thing for me to say. That was not the right way for me to handle that situation. And if you'll forgive me, I promise I'll do my best to do better. Not only starting tomorrow, but tonight, I'm going to do better than what I did in this situation. What are you doing? You're redeeming the time. You're redeeming the moment that you have. There is an urgency that it needs to take place now. I don't need to wait until next week. I don't need to start putting money in my retirement account five years from now. I need to figure out a way to do it now. I had a conversation with somebody just a few days ago, and they were talking about when they started tithing. And they had not tithed. And they said, Pastor, while you were preaching, you made this statement, and it changed the way I looked at things. You said, if you cannot tithe the full 10%, Tithe somewhere. Do something. Start somewhere. And this individual said that's exactly what we did. We didn't pay the full 10%. I'm not sure they told me what percent they did, but they said we made up our mind that we were going to test God, try God, and see if He would be true to His Word. And said from there... We came to a place where we decided if we're going to do this at all, we're going to do it fully as God intends. What I'm saying to you today is that if you're going to redeem the time, regardless of what it is in your life, you have to start somewhere. And it'd be much better for you to start now, today, than to wait until it's too late. So there's an urgency. Imagine that you had a bank that 
credited your account each morning with $86,400 every day. It carried over no balance, and if you didn't use it all today, you lost it all. But in the morning, they would put $86,400 back in your account again. And you knew that they were going to do it that way every day for the remainder of your life. What would you do if you knew when you got up in the morning you'd have $86,400 in your bank account? Listen, I know what I'd do. I'd spend as much of it as I could possibly spend. I would do everything in my power to spend everything. I'd buy a car. I'd buy a motorcycle. I'd buy another house. I, 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 would, uh, I would do as much as I could pop, possibly do with that $86,400 every day. Here's the point. Did you know that God gives you 86,400 seconds every day of your life. So what are you going to do with the 86,400 seconds that God has given you today? For some of you, many of those seconds are already gone. They'll never be retrieved. But you have the rest of this day that you can tag into those seconds that God has given you and He will allow you to use your time in a good way if you will use it. Say, now, what do I do with it? Well, let's look in Ephesians chapter 5 at the first 14 verses. I didn't put this in the, on the screen, but if you have your Bible, just, just open it up and let me read it to you. Ephesians chapter 5, verses 1 through 14. It says, therefore, be imitators of God. In other words, act like Him. Be like Him. Think like Him. And walk in love as Christ loved us, gave Himself up for us as a fragrant offering and a sacrifice to God. But sexual immorality and all impurity, covetousness, well, that shouldn't even be named among you as is proper among saints. Let there be no filthiness, nor foolish talk, nor crude joking, which are out of place, but instead let there be thanksgiving. For you may be sure of this, that everyone who is sexually immoral, or impure, or who is covetous, that is an idolater, has no inheritance in the kingdom of God. Of Christ. Did you hear that? So let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of these things the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. Therefore, do not become partners with them. For at one time you were darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. So walk as children of light. Let me point something out to you here. It doesn't say that at one time you were in darkness. It says at one time you were darkness. You couldn't, you couldn't even exist in light because everything about you was dark. He said at one time you were darkness, but now, say but now. 
You are light in the Lord. So since we are no longer dark, but we are now light, he goes on and he says, walk as children of light. For the fruit of light is found in all that is good and right and true. Try to discern what is pleasing to the Lord and take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them. In other words, darkness should not be a fruit of our lives. If anything, because we are the light, when we walk into where darkness is, guess what? It exposes the darkness. Do you know why there is so much kickback against the church in the United States of America today? It's because we are the only light spiritually that exists in this world today. And when we walk into the room and we've been walking circumspectly and we've been redeeming the time when we walk in the room, darkness is immediately exposed. That is the fruit of our lives. Take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them. For it is shameful even to speak of the things that they do in secret. Can I just, can I just hang on to that thought for just a minute? I promise I won't stay here for a long time. We think that by exposing darkness on social media and Facebook, that we're doing what we're supposed to be doing. But then he turns around and he says, what the world does in darkness, we shouldn't even talk about it. We shouldn't even let it come out of our mouths. When we talk about the filthiness of this dark world and it comes across our lips, We are using our lips to expose things that don't even need to be talked about according to the Apostle Paul. So what are we saying? Talking about redeeming the time. Why do we spend so much time talking about all of this stuff, all of this wickedness, all of this craziness? I'm not a newscaster. But if I were, and if I owned the news channel, I would have a staff meeting with my people and I would say to them, I don't want to hear about all the shootings that are taking place in Louisville and I don't want to hear about all the crime that is taking place in our community and I don't want to hear about all of the politicians uh, that are wearing us out. I want us to start reporting on some good things. Because you know what? There's a whole lot more good that's happening in this world than what you can hear on the 6 o'clock news. It's time for us to start exposing the dark by being the light. When you are the light, you don't have to tell everyone that you are the light. The light just shines. Man, when you walk in the room... Those who are in darkness say, man, there's something about that person that just lightens the place up when they walk in. That's the way we should be living. 
He said, it's shameful even to speak of the things that they do in secret. But when anything is exposed by the light, it becomes visible. For anything that becomes visible is now light. Therefore, it says, awake, O sleeper, and arise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Turn your light on. Wherever your switch is, turn it on. So that wherever you are, that you will expose the darkness and you won't even have to say a word. Just by coming into the room, it will change the atmosphere. And then one final thought. Found in verse 17. It says, therefore do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Now look at that word foolish. In verse 15, he said, Walk circumspectly, not like the fools do, who walk by feeling and have zeal that is out of place, but instead walk wisely. Here in verse 17, he says, Do not be foolish. A well-known pastor and an author from California wrote, a book entitled God's Will said this. He said, as believers, if we do not know God's will, what are we? Are we uninformed? No. Are we searching? <clears throat> no. He says, we are stupid. <laughs> and when I read that, I thought, that's pretty strong. If we're walking in a foolish way, it is because we have not applied the Word of God to our lives. And this, what, now you say, well, that was rude of him. He shouldn't have said that. Well, the Greek word here is aphrones. And it means that you are absolutely ignorant, you are totally senseless, you are unlearned, and you are foolish. And it is translated in, from Greek into the English a language with the word stupid. Now, my grandkids are not allowed to say the word stupid. So I have had to learn to stop saying the word stupid. I'm not allowed to say it. Justin said he'd give me a... Spanking if I did, and he's got the spoon with him today. Stupid. Would you not agree with me that just the very word stupid is a tad bit offensive? I mean, if I came to you and said, you're stupid, you'd want to go outside and fight, wouldn't you? But that's what the Apostle Paul is saying. He's saying, if you don't know what the will of God is now, it's because you're stupid. Now why would he say something like that? Because the revelation of God has been given to us in His Word. And if we don't know what His will is, it's simply because we haven't received the will of God by reading the Word of God. This is His revelation. I'm going to say something that will make you mad. You okay with that? Good. Because I'm going to say it anyway. 
we Pentecostals, we think we have to have a prophecy. We have to have some evangelist come through town and give us an evangelist or give us a prophecy. Or, or there, there are churches that will sell them to you for 25 bucks a prophecy. We think we have to have these prophecies and prophecy is good but prophecy is only intended to confirm what God has already said to us in this book. And if we'll just take the time to read the Bible and understand what it says, there will be less of a need for prophecy to give us revelation and more of the realization that when a prophecy does come, it is just to confirm what we already know is true. How many of you believe Jesus is coming again? Why do you believe that? Because the Word of God teaches us that there's going to come a day when He's going to step out on the eastern sky and the trump of God's going to sound and those who are dead in the grave, their bodies are going to rise up. And those of us who are remain, alive and remain, we're going to be caught up together with them in the air and we will forevermore be with Jesus. That's what the Bible says. How many of you have ever been in a church service and you've heard a prophecy come forth that says something to this effect, I say unto you, my child, look to your source, for I am your source. And I am coming again. And I am coming soon. Oh, we've heard those kind of prophecies so many times through the years. And we all raise our hands up and say, oh, I didn't know that. Hallelujah. Jesus is coming again. Oh, yeah, you knew it. It was just confirmed to you in the Word of God. And the Spirit of God came and confirmed it. So what am I saying to you? I'm saying... That if you're going to walk circumspectly, come ahead and start playing if you will. If you're going to walk circumspectly, if you're going to redeem the time, you cannot do it like fools would try to do it. You have to do it using godly, godly wisdom. So I guess here's what I'm trying to say, and this is what the Apostle Paul is saying. He's saying, come on people. Don't be ignorant anymore. Don't, don't, you know what the difference between ignorance and stupidity is? Ignorance is simply a lack of knowledge. It just means that you have not grown in your relationship with Christ enough to have the revelation. Let me give you an example. I know a lot of Christians these days that they know about the Holy Spirit, they know about the infilling of the Spirit of God, but they're not Holy Ghost filled. They are Spirit indwelt because the Bible says that when we become Christians, the Spirit of God seals us with the promise of God. We're sealed by His Spirit. But in Acts... There is a next work of the Spirit of God where He comes in and He fills us and the evidence is speaking in an unknown tongue. So, okay now, Pastor, get back over on your other subject because that tongue-talking stuff, that weirds me out. But do you know why it weirds you out? It's because you don't understand it. 
you have not grown in your, your spirit walk yet to be able to, to accept it as truth. But let me tell you something. There are times the Bible tells us when you will not be able to be victorious unless you know how to pray in the Spirit of God and allow Him to pray through you. I've never been able to understand why anyone would not want a gift that God has already provided and is willing to give us at no cost. And the reason is, we just don't understand it. We have no concept of what it will do in our lives. So here's what I'm trying to say. and We're on week three about this cadence, this idea of walking in rhythm with God. And here in Ephesians, it's very clear that if we're going to walk in this cadence, and if we're going to walk in the rhythm that God has for us, it's going to require us to walk circumspectly. To walk intentionally. To walk with purpose. Redeeming the time, not letting any moment or seconds escape from our hands. Because we can't do tomorrow without walking in the Spirit today. And we do it by understanding the will of God. So let me just close by asking you this, and we're going to pray. We're going to pray for your needs as we close. Let me just ask you this morning, and you don't have to say it out loud, you don't have to raise your hand, but let me just ask you, what's the greatest need that you have in your life? What is the thing that bothers you the most every day that you live? Who is the person? What is the circumstance? What is it that prevents you from living victoriously today? If I can't walk victoriously today, Carolyn, there's a reason for it. Something is preventing me from walking victoriously. Well, a fool would say, well, it will eventually work its way out. That's the way a fool would walk. But a wise man who is filled with the Spirit would say, I'm not going to give it time to fester. I'm going to find out what God has to say about this situation. I'm going to understand the will of God as it pertains to my sin. Oh, I'll get saved one of these days. Hey, the Bible says today is the day of salvation. Why would you wait? I'll forgive that person when I feel better about it. Today is the day Forgive that individual. I'll start my diet on Monday. Doctor said I had to lose some weight. Well, my doctor told me, said, Mr. Baker, you're fat. Your BMI is this. I said, what is it? Baloney? What, what's BMI? You're overweight. Finally, the doctor convinced me that she was right and that I could bring healing to my body by eating correctly and properly. 
Can I just tell you that it's not easy to do? Because when you like stuff as much as I like stuff, it takes discipline to do. But did you know that God, who is our healing, He is Jesus is our healer, did you know that His healing can come to us through natural activity on our part? We can actually bring healing to our own bodies because Jesus created us that way. I'll just start Monday. Or, or maybe, maybe, maybe this fall. I'll start, I'll start, I'll go to the gym. Listen, I don't care if you ever go to the gym or not. Here's what I'm saying. If we know what the will of God is, <clears throat> then we should walk wisely in His principles and not foolishly. Now listen, I know how hard it is. Donna made a cake this week. It's my favorite cake. She made it for our company that stopped in unexpectedly on us. We hadn't seen them in seven years, and here they are. We knew them in college. One of them pointed out that it was 40 years ago. I wanted to hit them right in the mouth when they said that. It's been that long. She made this cake. I love it. One of my favorite cakes. And I tried to control myself. I really did. I held back. When they were eating big slices, I ate just a small slice. The problem is, they did not eat all the cake when they left Friday morning. There was about that much cake left. And you know what I said to myself? Self, you don't get this very often. Enjoy yourself. Because you can always get back on track on Monday. Don't we all do that from time to time? But the reality is, we do, we do, we all do that in some area of our lives. But the reality is that we need to live the way that we should live every day of our life in order to fulfill all the promises of God that He has for us. Will you stand with me this morning? Prayer team, come if you will and position yourself. If you have a need this morning of any kind, it can be anything. Maybe you need to come down here and pray about what I've been talking about these last three weeks. We're going to finish this series up next week. Pastor John's going to finish it up. You don't want to miss it. He's a great preacher of the Word of God. And I know you'll enjoy what he has to say next week. But for this week, what does your walk look like? What does your daily life look like? Do there need to be any adjustments to your walk? Is there any intentional decisions that you need to make? that will bring you to a place of victory. If that's you, I want to invite you to pray. I'm going to pray with you. And then while I'm praying and when they start singing, if you need prayer this morning, just come out of your seats and come down here and let them pray for you. Let's pray. Father, in Jesus' name.
You know, I knew when you laid these things on my heart, my heart a few months ago and weeks ago, I knew that this was not going to be one of those, everybody going to feel like shouting and all that kind of stuff. But, you know, a long time ago, I made a decision that I would much rather people get wisdom and knowledge that will bring them to a place of spiritual maturity than I am that they will shout and feel good for about 30 seconds and then go home unchanged. Your Word is what does the work in our lives. And so today I pray for this congregation. And I pray that you will help them to examine themselves and make a decision to walk intentionally to walk circumspectly not as unwise but as wise not as the fools would walk but as those who understand what the will of God is concerning circumstances that they're facing in their lives and I pray that you'll give them the courage and the strength and the anointing to be able to do it in Jesus' name so that they can grow and mature in you. In Jesus' name. Amen. Now as they sing, if you need prayer, come up front and let us pray with you this morning. Go ahead. Go ahead and start singing this morning. And come on down and let us pray together.
Praise the Lord. Agree with me if you will in prayer. Father, in Jesus' name right now, I want to pray for those who are unable to be with us today. I know we've already prayed. Lord, specifically, I want to pray for those who are battling COVID right now, not only in our church, but across our community. Lord, I pray that you'll strike that disease, that virus in its place. Lord, I pray that wherever it is, that you will just kill it in Jesus' name. That you will cause it not to come near our dwelling place and have an effect upon us. I pray for every individual, Lord, that has been affected by it and still are dealing with symptoms of it days and weeks and months after the COVID is gone. Lord, no matter what the symptom is, I know of some that they've not had their taste and their smell recovered. Lord, I'm asking you for complete and total recovery of their smell and their taste. Lord, give it back to them in Jesus' name. But I'm asking you not for a partial healing, but full healing in Jesus' name. I pray for those, Lord, who are having cardiac issues, that you will heal their hearts, that you will clear their arteries, Lord, in Jesus' name, and allow them to be made whole. I pray for those who are having mobility issues, Lord, that are in wheelchairs and using walkers and having difficulty getting around, Lord, I pray that You'll strengthen their limbs and their muscles. That You'll allow them to walk as a healed person should walk. In Jesus' name. Lord, I pray for Riley this morning. He's trying to have this baby. Lord, I pray that You'll allow that little baby to come forth in Your time. And that you will protect the mother and that you will protect the child and allow them to have a healthy baby who will grow up to live according to the principles of Jesus Christ. And I pray for all of those who may be dealing with cancer in their bodies. And Lord, we've got several right now that are dealing with it. I know that you're able to heal them. Lord, there are those who have cancer on their head. There are people who have cancer in their organs. They have cancer in their chest. They have cancer in other parts of their body. But regardless of where the cancer is, you are the healer who is able to strike the cancer at its very root. And I pray, Lord, that there will be amazed doctors all over our city because of their healing that they see that came from the hand of God. And Lord, they will be able to say, I didn't do this, and the chemotherapy didn't do it. But the hand of God was responsible for this healing taking place. I pray, Lord, for those who have neurological disorders that are coming against them, Lord, that are coming and bringing experiences in their body that are, that are bringing difficulty to them. Lord, I pray that you will heal the brain and the neurological disorders that are causing this. Lord, I pray for those who have suffered from aneurysms and they're coming back. I thank you that you are our healer. 
and that you are able to restore completely, Lord, what the aneurysm damage did. You are able to heal Parkinson's, Lord. The doctors say that Parkinson's won't kill you, but you'll die with it. I don't have to believe that because I believe that Parkinson's has to come under and submit itself to the mighty hand of God and the power of God. And in Jesus' name, we declare and call those who are dealing with these diseases, we call them healed in Jesus' name. We declare the work to be done for your glory and for the power of God. Lord, you didn't stop doing miracles. You work them every day. And I'm just praying that you will give us the evidence of them in our lives, in our bodies, in our families. And Father, as I close this service today, I want to ask you one more time for those of us, and there are many, who have proud prodigals in our families. Boys and girls, men and women, who are raised to know what it is to serve you. But I pray that you will convict them and bring them back home to you. Bring them back to us. Lord, we're like the Father who stands at the, the end of the road looking, looking for the evidence that the life of the prodigals have been changed and transformed by the Spirit of God. Lord, I pray you'll bring them home. In Jesus' name. Lord, for those of you, those who have gotten caught up in things that are bringing damage to their lives, to their bodies, to their soul, their spirit. Lord, we come against everything. We come against drugs. We come against alcohol. We come against sexual activity that is outside of the bond of marriage. We come against all these things that may be coming against our prodigals. Lord, I know that you said if we would raise them in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord, that they would forever be confronted by the truth of Scripture. They'll never be able to live a day of their life without knowing and realizing what your will is for their life. And I ask you to bring them home. In Jesus' name. And Lord, for the rest of our kids, whether they're adult kids, or whether they're teenagers or young people, they're serving you and they're giving their lives to you. They're walking in relationship with you. But I pray that you will prevent the enemy of their soul to be able to, to take them out of their relationship with you and to move them away. Lord, we come against the devil in Jesus' name. We bind him according to the name of Jesus. And Lord, we demand that he take his hands off of them and not be able to not be able to convince them that this is not the way to live, but instead that they will be more convinced than ever that their life with Christ is the best decision that they've ever made to grow and mature in you. 
In Jesus' name. Amen. Praise the Lord. Well, are you glad you came to church today? I trust that you've been blessed by the Word of God. And for those of you who had hoped we had shout today, and you're disappointed, I tell you what, before we go, when I count to three, I want everybody to shout as loud as you can, woo-hoo, and we'll be dismissed. Are you ready? One, two, three. Amen. God bless you. Have a wonderful week.